Well, wow, I think it's pretty neat. The last sermon of the year. That may not be anything special, but this is the one that you'll remember for all of 2014, I'm quite sure. Actually, you know, the scriptures tell us that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So there is something special about this particular Sunday. But uh, I also think it's pretty significant last words. Last words do have their impact. And there are, they are words that have importance and are, are remembered. Some are famous, some are not so famous, some are infamous. But there's none that are of any less importance and can have any less impact maybe than the last words of an executed offender. Let me read these exactly as they are recorded. To the victim's family, I want you to know that I hope you let go of all the hate because of my actions. I came in as a lion, and I come as, a pe- come as peaceful as a lamb. I am at peace. I hope society sees who else they are hurting with this. To my loved ones, I hope both victims find in their hearts to forgive me. And I have forgave everyone, and I love everyone. Pray for my soul and I forgive myself. I love y'all, and I'll be waiting for y'all. My brother, take care of my family. Take care of my girl, my mom, my sons, and all of my loved ones. Brother Wayne and Brother Joe, thank y'all. Jorge, don't give up on Luis. I'll be listening. Thank you for everything. Father, I commend my soul. Please take care and watch everybody I leave behind. I am ready, Warden. Father, please accept my soul. I am sorry. I love y'all. I'm always going to be with you. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. I love you, Savior. Well, if I can't read those and it doesn't solicit some kind of emotion, opinions, pity, impact, reaction of some sort. And maybe we need to examine ourselves and feel a pulse. And so I say this, though, about the importance of last words, really to introduce the discussion today. And it's about famous last words of John's gospel. And from those famous last words, I will be speaking from John chapter 1. That's right, you say, well... How can John 1 be the last words of John? Well, actually they are. John tells us everything he wants us to know in his first chapter of his gospel. He really just spends the next 20 chapters expanding on and defending the bold statements that he makes in his first chapter. And so wouldn't you agree that the last words of John must be pretty important? Famous last words. He starts with the end of the story, what he really wants us to know. And then he builds his case for Christ. And everything he has to say in his gospel is all about Christ. 
in his inspired text that's been allotted to him. In John chapter 1, he claims that Jesus is God and creator of the universe and all that exists. Jesus is God that became man while remaining fully God. And then he says that Jesus is the Savior that will take away the sin of the world. Jesus goes on to tell us that it is easier for him to raise a paralytic to walk than it is for God to forgive sin. And I know that has to be true because I look at myself and I look at what a tough heart I have, how much pride there is, how much self there is, how much control there is, how much lack of faith there is. And I look at that heart and I see that I deserve death every day. And Jesus came to take that sin away. Well, John goes on to record in this first chapter the first skeptic that has to be convinced. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel was convinced, but that won't be so for everyone that Jesus encounters, as is recorded in the story of his life and his ministry. Uh, John starts out with some of the easy stuff in chapter 2 to convince people that this truly is, this man is truly the son of God. He turns water into wine. But already by chapter 3, he says, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. How can that be? That we can experience birth, and not just physical birth, as simple as that would be, but supernatural birth, to be raised from death to life, to experience birth a second time, the kind that only God can do. And then John carries this argument all the way to the end of the book, recording all kind of convincing data from the life of Jesus Christ. All the way to Jesus dying on the cross and then raising from the grave alive. Are we convinced that Jesus is the Christ? All of this is to argue for John's last words, the propositions, the bold statements that this man, Jesus Christ that came at this point in this time was born of a virgin is God and Savior. And so if this is so important to John, let's look at why I believe it should be important to us. And really this next statement, listen carefully. Really this is to me (laughs) the most important thing I can say. So please understand me. 
The Christian life does not begin with what we do or don't do. But it is all about Christ. The teaching that you get here at EBF is all about Christ. If you think it's about you, then you're missing the point of all that is taught, all that is preached, all that is stressed here in our church. It's all about Christ for you. It's all about Christ and what we do for Him, how we live our lives in Christ. As we end this year with the Christmas season and look to 2015, the most important thing that we can do is to look at who Christ came to be. The first most important thing of the year is the same thing that is the most important thing at the end of the year. It's all about Christ. If it is as important to us as it is to John, the year in between January 1st and December 31st will look just like Christ. Our life story will be Christ's life story. It can't be about what we resolve to do and don't do. We'll never get there. It has to be all about Christ. And I believe, and my experience tells me, that the rest will follow. I firmly believe that who and what we focus on will be who we follow and what we are. It's all about Christ. Let's look at those claims of John in chapter 1. Jesus is giver of life. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has lived forever. He had no beginning and will have no end. He's not like us that are born and then to live forever. Allow me, if you will, Jesus has not never been. For John to express him as having been with God before time is to say he is identical to God. He is God. He is the Word of the Logos, the revealed living God. If Christ was any less than God then he could not have given existence to all things. If it not for his life, there would be nothing but darkness. Light and life would not exist or be known if it was not for Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. I hope we're in awe. And those words impact us as famous last words. That says all about Jesus Christ. What does it say about us? Everything. It says everything about us and who we are, including our life, which is all about Jesus Christ. 
That makes my life pretty significant. Makes my life a sacred trust. My life is because Christ lives. Actually, I am because he is. Well, of course, that begs the question, what am I going to do with my life? When I understand that my life is from Christ, it stands to reason that it should be a life for Christ. Why else would he give it to us? God doesn't do things (laughs) that he doesn't have a purpose in them for himself. And so his purpose wouldn't be to give me a life that I can do with it what I want. That's not God. And so he gives us a life so it can be all about Christ. And I challenge each of us to think about that as we go into this next year. Think about our life is all about Christ and then see if it doesn't make a difference. Everything that we're given that we should do and don't do, if it's all about Christ, it'll make a difference. I want to say too that not that it was planned, but this is the third sermon in a row uh, from here that is pointed specifically to the advent of Jesus Christ. I planned this message before I heard those other two, but Pastor Jason ended his message last week with this question. Does our plan of life include the lordship and kingship of Jesus Christ? This is really, this next statement is the inspiration for this message from my perspective. And really why this was on my heart. I know that so much of what I do wouldn't be worth the effort if it wasn't for Christ. I mean, there's so much that I do every day, even in ministry, that um, in formal ministry, that is just utter foolishness. There's so much that I, I tolerate, so much that I accommodate, and I zip the lips, and I bite the tongue. And you wonder, is it worth it? Now, I know it's a tightrope we walk, knowing uh, what we can accommodate for the sake of Christ without violating what we stand for. But then I relish those times. I look for those opportunities, and I relish those times when God uses that perseverance and what I invest to bring glory to himself, but it has to be all about Christ because I want to be better at that. Christ, the giver of life, a life to live, all about Christ. He's also the giver of grace, according to John. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Well, I think that the real meaning of the Christmas season is that Jesus 
came and did a bunch of stuff and went to a whole lot of trouble that he really didn't have to do. As, a cre- as, as the creator, he lowered himself as low as he can go. And so I'm sure the conversation went something like this in those Trinitarian chambers of long, long ago. The Father decreed, we're going to create these creatures, and then I'm sure that they will fall in sin, and they'll be separated from us. And then the Son, Jesus, he spoke up and said, well, Father, someone's going to have to go and save them. And so I guess I'll do it. And the father father responded, But son, how low can you go? But Jesus did it. The The creator took on the form of his creature. Even the highest form of his creation, humanity, is as far as you can get from God. (laughs) The best that God could do in his creation, since he can't recreate himself, is to make us, to make mankind, and we're still as far as you can get from being God at our very best. Christ is radiant with his inexplicable light and glory, and then he came to earth and he clothed that, shrouded it, in flesh that he made from the dirt of the ground. That's how low you can go. And so why, why, why would he do this? Because we think we can, by God's law, do it on our own, that we can save ourselves from the wrath of God that we know he owes us, that death penalty and sentence. But Christ came and through his grace showed us the truth of the way to be reconciled with God. Sin has left its mark, and we are condemned to an eternity of darkness and torment, separated from God, our Creator, forever. I don't care how hot the fire is in hell. It's nothing compared to being separated, alone, in darkness, from our Creator, from Jesus Christ, forever, 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 and forever, and possibly alone with no one but Satan and his minions that will torment us forever apart from Jesus Christ, never to know him, never to be brought into his presence. He came to show us that our only hope is in his grace. Grace, his free gift offered to save us from sin and the penalty of eternal death and cause us to be born again by his death on our behalf. He came to prove himself true to his word He has always promised that salvation through grace by faith in the promises of God, even for Moses and those under the law, it's never changed. It's always been his offer and ours by faith. He fulfilled these promises by coming and showing the way, and that way is all about Jesus Christ. It's all about about Christ. What else is there? There is nothing else. It's all about Christ. John says Christ is the only begotten God. No substitute would work. 
It is only Jesus that could come forth from the Father to save us. But we have to ask ourselves, is it always all about Christ? What is our regard for him? Let me put it in perspective. I studied at Dallas Seminary under a professor of historical doctrine, Dr. John Hanna. Uh, He was very animated in all of his presentation, but I never will forget the picture that he drew of weights on a scale. And he would say, this is Christ, and this is man. And it's a directly proportionate equation. Whatever we do with, with ourselves is directly proportionate to what we do with Christ. If we have any, any, any at all, any of the slightest regard for ourselves, then Christ is completely diminished to the bottom of the scale, and there's no regard for Christ whatsoever. And so we have to keep Christ as the weightiest thing of our lives and ourselves at the lowest bottom of the place. Any combination, any mix, anything we add to this balance over here of ourselves will bring Christ down to that place that he came that he doesn't deserve and elevate us to a place that we were never meant to occupy. It's always in the balance. What do we do with Christ? Is it all about Christ or is it anything about ourselves. We can have no regard for ourselves. When we give the slightest weight of glory to ourselves, the scales are tipped and Christ is lost. There's hope in that. I know it sounds pessimistic. Y'all, I'll say too that Christ wasn't messing around when he came and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Emphatic, Final, authoritative, no exceptions. Exclusive, not popular. He came with the offer of grace, pardon, and forgiveness. He alone, not some combination of him and us and whatever else we can throw in, religion and good deeds and super intellect. None of that works with Christ. Christ is the giver of grace. And by the way, Hebrews 1.3 tells us, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. You know, I don't know, I really don't think, according to the revelation that we have, that we will ever physically see God the Father even in heaven. We'll know his presence and we'll be there with him because he exists eternally as spirit, always has been. don't believe he'll violate his revelation and take on some other form. Is that disappointing? I mean, I say that sometimes and it seems like, oh, <laughs> disappointing. We'll never see God the Father. Maybe there's an argument ensues about that. Well, I'm not going to argue about it, but don't be disappointed. I mean, Jesus Christ is no second fiddle. (laughs) He's not the associate. He's not the assistant. He's not the vice president. Jesus Christ does not take a back seat to anybody. Jesus Christ is God. There's not much more you can say, and it's nothing less than God And to see him is to see God. And those that saw him before in his physical presence, they were in the presence of God. They saw God. It was all about Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. 
but Jesus Christ, God himself. Jesus is also the giver of salvation. The next day he, John the Baptist, uh, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And so our salvation is all about Christ. God provides the sacrifice. He is an acceptable sacrifice, the acceptable sacrifice. Man attempts to eradicate sin through religious practices and self-improvement and social services. But all these efforts do is just point to our need for a Savior. And it's God that we need. Our salvation is accomplished supernaturally. Maybe the rest of that Trinitarian conversation went something like this. The Holy Spirit chimed in and said, Yes, Jesus, it is to you who must do the dirty work and die for those undeserving creatures. But someone has to change them and make them righteous like us. You can send me. That one's on me. And so I have to ask myself, continue, do I fully grasp what takes place at salvation, what God has wrought, what God has done in my life? When we place our faith and trust in Christ, God alone has chosen us for salvation. He has given us faith to believe. He has transformed us as one raised from death to life. He promises to keep us perfectly secure in that state, never to lose it. He redeems us, pays the price of death for the sin that keeps us in bondage. Contrary to who we are in sin, He declares us righteous and acceptable to stand in His presence. He reconciles us to Himself as those that have been enemies and are now adopted into His family as His children with all the benefits of heirs to inherit everything that is His as ours. He sanctifies us. He promises to make us holy as we trust him in the things of our lives. And so can we say with John the Baptist that salvation is all about Christ? The whole of salvation, the whole of our lives in Christ. In verse 34, John says, And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. For John, it was all about Christ. Giver of life, giver of grace, giver of salvation. So I ask myself and I ask you all, are you impressed with Christ? Is it Christ? Is it Christ that we focus on? Is it all about Christ? That's John's purpose in chapter 1. He wants to impress us and he wants us to read more about Jesus Uh, The words of Christ uh, and about Christ are for us. Uh, 
I guess the best advice I can give anybody is read those words and read them under a microscope. I mean, get to know him. This is the answer. (laughs) This is the answer to the Christian life. This is how to live. This is how to respond to everything we hear, to one another, to the teachings that we get. The answers are all in Christ. Get to know him. The most important fact about the Christian faith and really what separates it from all others is that it's about a person. For believers, it's a personal relationship. No one else can say that about their religion. Our life is in Christ. Our righteousness is Christ's righteousness. No one can be with God that is not God because God can not be with any that are less righteous than himself. So how can we be with God? We're not God. But we can be with him because we have his righteousness. Because of Christ, we are made acceptable to stand in the physical presence of our God and our Savior. The righteousness of Christ is imputed or credited to us. It's ours. We're no longer that person apart from Christ, but we're a new person, a Christ-like person. We died with Christ. We will rise from the dead with Christ. We will live forever with Christ. It is all about Christ. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Believer, be encouraged. It is to Christ that we come when we find ourselves doubting, discouraged, and suffering. Unbeliever, don't be misled or confounded. It is to Christ that you come. Cut through all the words and the confusion and the conflict. Seek Christ and what is true about him. One way that we can know it is all about Christ for us is when our ministry is all about Christ. All Christians are called to be ministers for Jesus Christ. We know it is for real when we stand for Christ in a hostile world and our message and our actions and we take it on the cheek for the sake of Christ. There's no one around to give us attaboys or high fives for our ministry in Christ. No one to share our trophies with or our defeats. No one else is aware of what we have done. No accolades, no credits, just for Jesus then we know it's all about Christ. Our life, our ministry, it's all about Christ. Some are called to suffer. I have a friend, Robert, who is suffering from uh, ALS, or otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He's actually given me and encouraged me to share his testimony every opportunity that I can. Um, Robert was born into a missionary family in South Korea. He has spent a lifetime with a Baptist church planning organization as a, uh, as a strategist and consultant as there's been churches planted all over and in the Chicago area and all over the world. Actually, his contribution is, is felt all over the world, and he's quite prominent in this regard. But Robert has now lost all of his voluntary muscle control. Uh, his breathing and ability to swallow are greatly diminished. Uh, virtually all that Robert can do is move his eyebrows. That's all he's got. This is the movement of his eyebrows up and down. 
yes or no. He's unable to work, but his financial support continues to increase and overabound. And he told me that over half of his support comes from churches in Asia. All of this is a result of the fruit of his labor for Christ. What he has told me is that he, what he won't say at his funeral, this is the story from him. This is all he said. Say at my funeral that it's all about Christ. <laughs> I mean, Robert has his family and he has his friends, but nothing of his independence. And he stresses that all he has now is he really understands now that it's all about Christ. That's all he's got is Christ. In some of the last words of John's gospel, at the end of the gospel, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Jesus' final appeal to Peter is not about what Peter has done or not done or done wrong or done right. It's not about praising Peter for what he has done, for the way, or condemning Peter to feel guilty about what he has not done. Jesus loves us and wants us to know him well enough that we will love him back. That's it. And out of that love will serve and worship him. And so this morning, it's not been my purpose to tell you really a lot about what Christ did and said. That will be continued from this pulpit as it already has been and why we love being a part of this church. But my purpose is to impress you who Christ is and that he is worthy of our undistracted attention. That's worship. That's what it is to worship in spirit and truth when it's all about Christ. When everything we do, our thoughts, our directional persuasion is about Christ. And so we ask ourselves, what are our last words? Have you thought about it? I mean, are they all about Christ? Think about your last words and then start now and build your life toward those last words. And can so we say together that Christ is my life. He's my God. And praise be to him, he's my Savior. Well, I want to be clear, and in case you haven't noticed, my accent is not from around these parts. Um, when I was still at home in West Texas, I uh, preached a sermon that frequently referred to Christ. Uh, in the audience was a couple from Barbados, that had recently moved to our city and started coming to our church. Uh, when I finished, Wayne, uh, who became a dear friend of mine, came up to me and said, who have you been talking about all along? He said, who is Christ? Who is Christ? Who is Christ? Well, I've been talking in case you missed it, in case you didn't understand, I've been talking about Jesus Christ. Let's pray. 
Oh, Father, thank you that you have given us your word and that in your word you have revealed yourself in the person of Jesus Christ. My prayer for a year ahead, Lord, is that we would know him, that we would share his testimony, that we would be dependent upon the Spirit of God and the Word of God, which coupled together can bring us nothing but Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.